to this week's episode of the CMAP Study Podcast, where every week we take this textbook and we break down a different chapter of it. If you are... You could have just left it a breakdown. <laughs> we and we break down. We and we break down. Full stop each week. Uh, if you are new here, it's good to have you. I'm Charlotte. This is Maria. Maria is the money muggle that knows absolutely sweet fuck all about finance, and I am the idiot that is here trying to teach, teach me about it. Yeah. <laughs> this week we're going to be looking at topic 19 of the textbook, which a lot of people struggle with, according to the amount of you that slippy slide into my DMs. So I think we can make this a lot easier to understand. I'm fairly confident I'm at like an 8 out of 10 on my confidence level for this episode, so we'll You're see You're a 10 out of 10, don't let anyone tell you any different, ever. Thanks. And we're also full of shit. So, <laughs> if you've never seen us before, you can go to cmap.com. I deliver CMAP training to literally anybody that needs it in various different forms. So there's e-learning stuff, there is fast-track courses where you can work with me for five days. I also do one-on-one -on -one training. I do audio study guides, which are just a tenner. I'm basically here to switch up the industry and help people understand CMAP without once wanting to throw themselves off a roof because that was my learning experience. Um, and yeah, this is Maria who knows absolutely nothing about finance at nothing. all. Like, she has a bank card, full stop. That's it, Just, that's where it ends. Yeah, I think it was only like... Still don't have a credit card, don't understand them, terrifying, don't want to, can't make me. Um, I, I think it was only when I sort of started my business that I got a second card because I had a, the, we had the talk which was you were basically like, stop spending your own personal money because accountants are gonna strangle you. So I had to get a business card, but that's still just a debit card. So learning lessons, one money mistake at a time, <laughs> just as a side hustle to the CMAP stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you can find us on Instagram. You might be listening to this on Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, or you might be watching this on YouTube, in which case this is our faces. Hi, hello. Uh, I think we should just jump straight, straight in, in after you have cue intro music. And do a stupid dance where Chris cuts out the noise of the stupid dance. After you've uh... Oh yeah, okay. And <laughs> back in the room. On a quick side note, guys, I have to mention that my next door neighbour Ricky and his very annoying dog Susan are doing some DIY work today of all days, which is the one day that we have to film like five weeks worth of content. He's literally knocking down his house and rebuilding it. So if you hear anything, there is nothing I can do about it other than move, which is a serious consideration for the next few weeks. Anyway, so sit tight. Please bear with us. I am very sorry about the drilling, if you can hear it. And if you can't, Chris can edit this out of the YouTube videos. Totally <laughs> um, okay, topic 19 is called Prudential Supervision. What a fucking Ooh. delightful ride this is going to be. I think one of the main reasons that people get confused with this topic is because of the word prudential. We don't know what it means, it's a word you've never seen before, and all that we need to understand is that prudential just means money. So from now on, next time you go through topic 19 of the textbook, I just want you to completely scribble out the word prudential and write money. And if you're ever going to write the word prudential for your notes, just write money. It makes so much more sense. They're just trying to confuse you, and nine times out of ten, it does actually work. So, the whole idea between the whole idea of prudential supervision is money management. 
Okay. That's it. So that do you remember? There you go. Do you remember we spoke about the financial crisis when everybody just fucked shit right up a wall and which one? <laughs> the 07 to 09 specifically. Ooh, where I feel like I'm back in a history class. The Battle of 1066. So <laughs> the Battle of 07 to 09. Henceforth, was, yes, will be referred to as the battle. That time when there was not really any regulation to do with financial services. Oh yeah, and they were like, "You guys look after yourselves," and then in fact they could not do that. Yeah, and they just lied about their figures, they lied about their numbers, and then we realised that all of a sudden, the economy just collapsed because the money just wasn't there anymore because people lie, folks. After that, prudential supervision or money management came into place. So, there is a thing called the Basel, 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 if you're videographer Chris, however (laughs) you want to say it, committee, and that's what we need to talk about. So, here's the picture. There is a town in Switzerland called Basel, 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 if you put it into your phone. Um, And they have made the rules on money supervision, which has been fed down to every financial institution. So banks, building societies, lenders, car finance, loan people, literally any company that deals with money has to undergo some sort of money management and it was the Basel, Basel, Basel committee that put these money management rules into place. They spoke about something and the textbook bangs on about capital adequacy and I just think it's complicated. Okay, I mean, adequacy is, especially in a financial setting, not a particularly confidence-inspiring word. No, so if I said to you, Maria, what does capital adequacy mean? What... Could you give me anything? I mean, capital is a collection of money, normally. So I would say capital adequacy, something along the lines of having adequate money. That's it. That's it. That's what, that's what you're getting. That's exactly what it is. Cool. So Yay! <laughs> capital, the capital adequacy requirement is just saying to financial institutions, hey guys, let's make sure you've got enough money in the bank. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's all it is. And the textbook has three pages that talks to you about global financial crisis. Global (laughs) financial crisis. And it gives you big words. Um, But all that you need to know is that there was the financial crisis and then regulation came into place and the Basel Committee in Switzerland or Basel said, hey guys, let's make sure you have enough money in the bank. That's it. And that's fairly simple that's like three pages of the textbook two three or four pages that we've just boxed through and that's that's all that it says i swear to you if you want to check it's pages 382 to 385 in your textbook but that's all that you need to know okay the next thing that it goes on about is liquidity now i feel like we've spoken about this before and i'm wondering whether you can remember what liquidity is liquidity um (laughs) apart from the viscosity of fluid no i'm out Okay, that is totally fine. So you're going to see it all the time in the textbook if you've ever looked at it, unlike Maria, who has literally only ever seen the cover of this textbook. I sometimes rest a brew on it. I was going to say, she, <laughs> the only thing she uses it for is to put a brew on. So <laughs> the idea of liquidity when it comes to cash mm. is how easily accessible is that money? So if we talk okay. about investments... Oh, so like on a film when someone gets kidnapped and they're like, you're going to have to give me a minute to liquidate my assets. 
because they don't have readily available cash to pay the ransom for their annoying child. That's exactly what it is. Yes. So if your child was kidnapped because you are... Keep it. Sorry, I don't have children, so I don't... <laughs> you are a government official. Your child is kidnapped and <laughs> is you are... Is this a plot of one of the Bourne films or something? All of the Bourne All films. All of the Bourne films, okay, good. And you are on the phone to the captor and you say, I need to liquidate my asset assets. All that that means is that you need to get a hold of your cash. So, if you've got two different options, you have the storage space under your mattress or you have 50 houses in Rome and collectively they're worth 50 million because they're a million pound each cool or you've got 50 million pounds stored under your mattress in cash it's a really big mattress you just have to work with me the mattress money is well liquid because you can get it right now immediately oh, okay so it's just more readily available than the money that's tied up in a house if you wanted to take money out of a house you would have to sell it and selling a house is an absolute ball ache for anybody that hasn't yeah. done it yeah. it's probably going to take you like six months from start to finish at least because you've got to put it on the market and then find somebody that wants to buy it and then solicitors and then bank transfers and it's really complicated so as a general rule a property investment is not a liquid investment because you can't access yeah. your cash straight away whereas if it's a savings account that's yeah. instant access it's a well liquid investment it's probably just not going to make you much money because the interest rates are shocking although side note because i watched a tiktok i don't know i fell down the rabbit hole um of a guy trying to get money out of a bank in the United States and he just tours the different banks trying to get money out of his account and he just gives them the stupidest reasons. He's like, oh, I want to get it out. And they're like, why? And he's like, cocaine. And they're like, we don't need to know. And he's like, then why did you ask? It's. Have you tried taking a huge amount of money out of a bank account? No, I haven't. It's really hard. <laughs> but what I did do when I was, so I did a brief stint teaching in Africa. My dad lives out in Africa. So every so often, if I was going into the center He'd be like, oh, can you put some money into my bank account or the business account or whatever for me? And I'd be like, yeah, sure, that's fine. And they'd give you a slip to put the money in with. And you have to give where the money has come from. <laughs> <laughs> I already know where this is going. I've not heard the story. And I was like 19, 20. And they just thought it'd be really funny to be like, hmm, blowjobs, <laughs> insert money. And over a period of like six months, there were so many... And obviously it stays on record with the bank and I think I think eventually it was picked up on and you were told off. Yeah, but it was funny at the time. So don't do that, kids. Looping back. It's not big and it's not clever. How liquid is your cash just means how quickly can you access your cash. Cool. The topic 19 talks about something called liquidity risk. So generally what happens with banks, let's say we start up a bank and we have 100 customers and they all give us their money. They all give us a million pounds each, so we've got 100 million pounds. Yay! We wouldn't just let that money sit there. We would invest that money to make us more money. But that means that our money is somewhere else. It's not sat in our bank account. So mm. prudential supervision talks about making sure that you have enough money in your bank should everybody turn up on day one and be like, I've seen your TikToks. They're shit. We want our money back. Yeah. We need to be able to at least be able to get a percentage of our money back. Readily. Readily, yeah, okay. exactly. So prudential supervision or money management, the rules say, make sure that you have enough liquid assets to be able to cover cover for emergencies. Yeah. Because there's something called liquidity risk. So anybody that's older than 28 might remember Northern Rock. Although not Maria, because Maria has been on a, 
I don't know where Maria grew up, basically, but <laughs> she says it was somewhere down south, but I'm not convinced because she has no understanding of anything that happened ever. No. But he also didn't have a TV. Yeah. Or have ever, have ever had a Pop-Tart till you came to my house, so there's three no. more facts about Maria. <laughs> um, what was he even talking about? Northern Rock. They got into financial difficulty, everybody saw it on the news, heard it on the radio, turned up at Northern Rock's front door and was like, give us our money, bitches, and they couldn't because they didn't have particularly liquid capital. The government had to bail them out. So that's where that comes from. It's not just the only example, but it is one example that people might have heard of before. So that's liquidity risk, that's that bit boxed off. The next one that we need to talk about is operational risk, and this is... I say really obvious, but it's the kind of risks that a businesses might be might face day to day. And I say day to day, and then I say you know things like earthquakes or terror attacks or massive tsunamis. Yeah, or it, it could even just be a massive power outage. How would they deal with that? That is what's considered operational risk. So, if so you, it's like a risk assessment for a business. That's exactly what, what it is. Anything that could disrupt the normal day-to-day running of your business mm-hmm. is considered an operational risk. So generally speaking, if you work for a company that deals with big money, they will have like an operational risk day and they like to drop it on you with no notice whatsoever because this happened to me once. And you'll walk into the office and you'll be half caffeinated and be like, I just don't want to be here. And they'll be like, so good news, guys, it's operational risk day. And we need to imagine that this office just doesn't exist anymore. And we've all got to panic and make our way to the emergency office, which is 62 miles away. But do you get paid any extra for the time you get sat in traffic? No, you fucking don't. It's awful. And they send you to this backup office that is basically underground. Oh, bunker office, yay! And then test to make sure that those underground offices work with all of the systems and all of the updates. And honest to God, I'm like, we're imagining a world-ending situation. You think I'm going to sit on the M6 for 62 miles? Get fucked, Greg. But what's important is that this person can definitely talk about their mobile phone bill because that's that's what they're going to care about on Tsunami Day. That's what operational you risk is. The phone networks would not be working. Well, tell that to Assurance Solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've boxed off liquidity risk. We've boxed off operational risk. One thing I just want to make sure that we understand is that this all comes from the stuff that was set out by in what's called the Basel Accords. So again, that town in Switzerland, Basel, 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 whatever you're calling it, it all falls under Basel Accords, and that's just the name of the documents. They did a Basel Accords 1, 2 and 3. I'm not going to dig deep into them because honestly, I think the chances of you getting asked a question on that particularly is very low. So read through the pages, but don't memorise anything because none of it is going to be important for your day-to-day job and I don't think it's going to bag you any um, bits in the exam either. Just know the yeah. Just know the main highlights. Why why they came into being. Mm-hmm. Where it is. I don't know if that's important, but I feel like I'm reseeing my history at level. Um, it's not important where it is, but I didn't know how to say Basel. I'm committed to Basel, um, and somebody corrected me on one of the masterclasses because they said yes, isn't it named after the town in Switzerland? And then a quick Google told me that actually it is named after the town in Switzerland. Yeah. And that's where they all sit in that big office and make these rules. We have such faith in the Swiss. Will that just oversee the regulation for banking? Because we're a bunch of donkeys. And the Swiss are like, we got you, huh? Neutral in the world wars. We've, we can figure this out. Were they the fence guys? Yeah. No. Yeah, Switzerland. 
and Switzerland, I'm on the fence, I'm in the middle, that's where that phrase it comes from. It wasn't on the fence, because on the fence means they couldn't make a decision. They literally, we're not fucking getting involved, you guys figure it out yourselves, we want no part of it. So if you've ever heard the term, I'm Switzerland, it generally Neutral. means, I don't want to get involved in your shit. And it's actually great for avoiding any form of conflict <laughs> when you get to adult life. Which is also, incidentally, isn't it, one of the major banking places, I only know this because apparently one of our grandparents had a Swiss bank account and there was a shitload of money in it after he died, apparently. So the family legend goes, um, opened a safe and gold sovereigns fell out. Don't know how true that is, please don't rob me. I'm poor. Um, <laughs> this is how you know that me and Maria had very different upbringings. She's like, yeah, my grandparents opened the safe and the gold fell out. And I'm like, cool, I had Pop-Tarts and a TV. At least she got Pop-Tarts and a TV. <laughs> no one gave me a gold sovereign. No, because she had the dictionary. That's why. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> The last thing that we're going to talk about for this topic is Solvency 2. Okay. All that you need to know about Solvency 2 in the textbook is that it is money management that is specific to insurance companies. And okay. the whole directive is called Solvency 2. Oh. There was a Solvency 1 and they said, cool, this needs improvement, so they made a Solvency 2. I'm here for the naming. Yeah. They've done a really good job with that. And people... People see prudential management and then they see the Basel Committee and then they see Solvency 2 and they just go, what the fuck? And I get it because that was me until I read the textbook 400 times to try and break it down for you guys at home so you don't have to do it. Solvency 2 is just money management for insurance companies. The bit that I want to pick up on from here is that they split it into three sections and I had to make notes because I wasn't going to run through the textbook so please bear with me. The directive as a whole is split into three different sections. So the first thing that it talks about is capital requirements. That's okay. its title. Maria, what would that possibly entail? Money requirements. Bingo. Yay! Their requirements about how they hold money. The second bit is all about governance and risk management. So this is saying, don't put Fred, who's just come out of prison for money laundering, as head of compliance for your massive financial mm -hmm. firm, because chances are, he's probably going to take off with some of your money. So this is going to loop into topic 20 when we're going to talk about like management responsibilities. But this is specifically to do with insurance. And it's talking about how you manage risk with insurance companies because yeah. insurance is all about risk management and who can be in charge of those kind of jobs. And then the last bit, I've just got my notes written on the side, it says disclosure. Apparently I didn't finish that sentence, so we might have to loop back around to that in an Instagram post because... I didn't finish my notes, just disclosure. I think I interrupted you when you were writing your notes to ask you something completely boring and unrelated. So... You got distracted on a side quest. Thank you, I very much appreciate Oh, here we go. Disclosure and transparency rules. I'm so glad I got to box that off. This whole episode that would have been really an absolute that, yeah. <laughs> So, the disclosure and transparency rules is all about declaring what happens. So, do you remember when we spoke a couple of episodes ago about how people before the financial crisis, were just making up figures just to make themselves look good yeah. and then selling businesses based on their live figures. So it's like, have you done your homework? Yes, I've definitely done my homework. You have in fact not done that. Exactly the same thing. This is just about being transparent about your figures and disclosing all the relevant information to the regulating bodies, which would be generally the Prudential Regulation Authority or the Money Management Authority. Some companies can also be dual regulated, so they'll be regulated by the FCA for their people and yeah. the PRA for their money. 
and it's just I know I I can see Chris looking next door as if to say God sake Ricky why drilling on today but there's nothing that we can do about it but luckily whilst Ricky knocked his house down I think that takes us nicely to the end of Ricky's just letting us know time's up. We've actually asked him to give us a timer for the <laughs> yeah. episode. So he's like, I'm going to angle grind now. We always say this is not a comprehensive study guide. I do offer comprehensive study guides and you can check them out at cmap.com. But this Ooh. is just to give you a baseline understanding of each topic and hopefully supplement your learning. So every so often, somebody slides into my messages and tells me that they've listened and they've enjoyed it and they've learned something. And honestly, please, guys, keep doing that because... Every day that you do it, it reminds me why I do this and put up with my next door neighbour and put pants on to record things for the YouTube channel because that is not the standard practice when... <laughs> when when there's doing. not a Zoom class, yeah. <laughs> yeah. this is a no-pants house. Um, so thank you so much for being here. We have loved having you. Thank and you very much. And we will see you for next week, which will be topic 20 of the CMAP Pontext book. Cute outro music.